Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here. We're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio, and I'm very excited for our guest today, David Premier, who is an author. And I'm going to tell you, I'm excited about this because normally I don't have sales experts, but today I am because he's devoted a big portion of his latest book to the buying experience. And experience is everything from customer service to uh, just thinking about buying and then you go on and look at a website. But what about when you're actually engaged in the process of doing the buying? Very important. We're going to talk about that today. A few quick things before we dive into our amazing interview. If you have a story or you have a question that you would like to share, you know how to reach me on any of the social channels. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and more. And remember to use the hashtag AskShep. And I'll answer the questions either right there or in a blog, maybe in this uh, podcast, or even on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. And you can find that on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, um, Roku. It's just, and now guess what? I'm excited. Just not that long ago, we now feature the episodes on YouTube. If you go to shep.tv, uh, you can actually, it's not, yeah, shep.tv, that's the YouTube channel. You'll get the information. You'll see the show. All right, back to David Primer because he's our guest and we want to focus the next few minutes on him and his new book and why it ties to the customer experience. David, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Oh, well, thanks, Jeff. It's great to be with you here. There's a lot for us to talk about. Um, and I got to tell you, when we first received your pitch and just a little background, the book is called Sell the Way You Buy a modern approach to sales that actually works even on you. I love that subtitle and it's available now uh, through Amazon. Amazon, and everywhere Barnes else. And yeah, wherever you buy books or, you know, you can get out to buy books. Exactly. If you can get out to buy books. Yeah. So I'm hoping, because this episode will air probably about three weeks from now or so, I'm hoping by the time we get to the point where this is actually airing, uh, we're no longer in the COVID-19 pandemic crisis, shelter at home, stay at home, quarantine. But even if we're not, it's still something to do. You can go online, you can download the book, you can buy the book, and in about three or four months when Amazon deems it an essential item, you'll get it. No, just, <laughs> David, you had a great line. You, we, the Amazon Prime four-week shipping. <laughs> yes, the one, the one day has turned into four weeks. But I think, you know, the sign of the times, as the four-week shipping, I'm seeing it get better. Now it's like, you know, it was three weeks, now it's two weeks. So maybe to your point, the three weeks from now when everything is you know, back to normal, the prime one-day shipping will come back and that'll be yeah. a sign that, you know, we can get on with our lives. But regardless, if you're involved in any type of sales, the, this is definitely a book you want to consider because I believe sales is more than just techniques on how to sell its techniques on how to grow the experience and the relationship. And that's what this book's about. So there is, and I can't remember if it's what chapter it is, uh, but it is, there's a story about Disney. And this is where you get into how the buying experience is your product. Let's start with the story. Yeah, you know, I, I, the, the chapter's called Trouble at the Happiest Place on Earth. 
And, you know, I believe, you know, customer experiences are everywhere and sales is everywhere around us. And the, the best organizations are the ones that really attune themselves to this fact that like the experience is the product. So the story I was telling was back, you know, years ago I was with, so I have three kids and when my kids were little, we were at Disney World. And of course the kids at Disney World, like their, their, their heads are melting down. It's like sensory overload. And so we decided that we were gonna go to um, a, a parade. They have these parades, Main Street USA. It's, you know, it's, it's super fun time. But of course the parades are just after lunch. And so, you know, my kids were kind of melting down a little bit from the heat. We were kind of said, you know what, we'll get a, a, a good spot along the parade route. And, you know, as the, we're waiting there for the parade to start, my kids, they're just, they continue to kind of melt down, melt down, they get frustrated until my wife says, hey, who wants daddy to get some ice cream? So of course, you know, you know, cheers, interruptions. So I go to get the ice cream, I'm fighting my way through the crowd, you know, the, and then, the, you know, it took so long because everyone has this great idea, it's hot outside, the parade starts. And so now I'm fighting my way back to try to get, you know, through the people, thank goodness I'm Canadian and I grew up playing hockey, so I'm throwing the elbows there to kind of, you know, <laughs> To get back. I thought Canadians were all nice. Forget about well, the elbows. Well, you know, when we're in America, we have to take on the, a little bit of the persona, right? Okay. Uh, we're, we're fighting through. So I get back finally to my family and, you know, my, my kids are cheering and we give them the ice cream. And, and one of my daughters, she takes two licks of this ice cream. And of course, you can imagine how excited they are. They're at Disney World with the parade and the ice cream and all these great things happening. She takes a couple licks of her ice cream and the, the ball of ice cream starts to fall off the top of the cone. Slow motion. Slow motion. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, the whole vacation is about to be ruined <laughs> as the ice cream hits the floor and my daughter erupts into tears and we're just like, oh my gosh, how this is, the, we, we went from the, you know, from the hero to zero. And then two seconds later, like this Disney employee comes out of nowhere, comes right up to us and says, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I saw this whole thing happen. Can I replace that ice cream for your daughter? And I'm like, like angels are singing. I couldn't believe it. I said, really? Like I, I couldn't muster any. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, sir, it's no problem. We do it all the time. And in that moment, you know, not that I needed any more convincing to become a D Disney fanatic. That was one of many moments and experiences I've had with Disney over the years and their brand. But they realized that if my daughter has a bad time and cries during the parade, that ruins the Disney experience. And they're so focused on creating that amazing experience. They did not want to let that happen. So, you know, if you need no other convincing that the experience is that product, I love that story. And, and it's re it really was one of the, the pivotal points for me that kind of started me along this journey of like, oh my gosh, it's not just about the product. It's about all of the things that go around creating that amazing customer experience. That's pretty cool. And, and really it is. I mean, ice cream, Disney, that's the product. Maybe it's actually part of it. The experience is where it comes in. That, that hero, as you say, that cast member has been properly trained. Everybody at Disney has three jobs. This is a little background. I may have talked about this in prior, uh, prior shows. Those three jobs are number one, to do the job you were hired to do, be it take a ticket, let a person through the turnstile, work at one of the stores, whatever. Number two is take care of the guest. By the way, not necessarily in that order. And number three, keep the park clean. So I'll bet not only did that Disney cast member come over and offer to give you ice cream, I bet they picked the ice cream up off the ground and, and started to clean it up a little bit too. <laughs> oh, heaven forbid someone else steps in that ice cream. Now their day is ruined, right? So right. absolutely, yeah. Right, so they're, they're amazing. Here's another uh, bit of trivia. The number one question asked at Disney, do you know what it is? By parents or, or by the kids? By any, any guest. 
So that, I don't want to, it's no, simple. Where's the bathroom? Okay. okay. But there, then, but, but let's get past the obvious and let's talk about the number two question. And it has to do with the parade. What time does the three o'clock parade start? Oh yeah, there you go. Okay. And, 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 and it's really not what time it starts is what time does it come by the location I'm at right now? We know it starts at main street three o'clock, but by the time it works its way around, is it 320? Is it 325 when we should be standing here ready to see the parade? So anyway, just a little trivia. Back to the buying experience. So what you just explained is a perfect example of Disney creating a beautiful product and then supporting it with an experience that takes that whole product to another level. So let's get into the buying experience and really what your book is about. Yeah. So the book, as you said, it's called Sell the Way You Buy, and it kind of explores the world of buying and selling from, from two dimensions. The first one is, if I can call it, you know, empathy. So in the modern marketplace, like how do salespeople, how should salespeople operate? Because the epiphany I had, I was, I was working at Salesforce. I was there for five years. I was running small business sales for the Eastern U.S. And I found that a lot of the tactics that my teams were using were not categorically ineffective. They were not unethical in any way, but I would just go back to my desk and I was like ground zero for people trying to prospect into me because I'm a VP of sales at Salesforce and none of the tactics people were using on me were working. Like I would never answer my phone. I would never respond to LinkedIn messages. So I'm like, is that what my team's doing? And I had this epiphany that, you know, empath empathetically, I was not selling the way I would want to buy on the buying side. So, so wait, was kind you of were violating your own principles, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, not so much the, the principles, but it was because again, nothing we were doing was unethical, but it was just but more I, the I guess sales principles, sales Correct. tactics. Maybe it was you were violating what you thought the right strategy and tactic. Principles don't be confused with morals and ethics. No, it's sales tactics, if you will. The tact, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, people are, you know, hey, David, you know, I see you're VP at Salesforce, so you must be concerned about this. Do you have 15 minutes to chat? And I was like, eh. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not entertaining these discussions. So there was a huge empathetic component. And so that got me thinking about, well, like how do actually people buy these days? How many connects does it take? And, and where's their focus and, and all these kinds of things. So that was the, the one piece was the empathetic piece, which is how do I connect with a modern buyer who's more distracted, peer driven and skeptical than they've ever been. But then the other piece was actually, and this kind of goes part and parcel in, into what you talk about Shep around customer experience, which is how do people actually buy? Because, when a salesperson goes out to try to convert a customer, they're not often thinking about the experience that that customer is having with me or my organization as a salesperson. And yet as a buyer, the mechanisms and pathways by which we actually make purchasing decisions, and I'm not even talking about B2B technology decisions or, or buying a car. It could be as simple as what did you order for lunch? You know, at the food court the other day is driven by pathways and mechanisms that we're not even conscious of. Right. Oftentimes we have affinity to a certain brand because of the experience we provide. But if I asked you, like, why do you like shopping there? You wouldn't necessarily pinpoint these things. And so a lot of it is subconscious. So I actually dive into in the book the pathways and mechanisms by which people buy so that sellers and marketing organizations and companies in general can align their sales motion to those things. Well, love it. Love it. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into sp some specific pathways that they buy so we can have some examples. And also there's a great stat uh, with your background in Salesforce. The uh, Salesforce state of connected customer report stated that 80% of customers feel the buying experience a company provides is as important 
as its products and service. Back to the experience being important. It's not just the product or service that you sell. We're going to take a short break. We've been talking with David Primer, and his book is Sell the Way You Buy. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. And that's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating. And we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more. So the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hey, everybody. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. Talk. Boy, I'm struggling to talk today. David Primer, sell the way you buy. And by the way, uh, as I talked to David and learned more about the book, read through chapters of the book, this is not just a book for salespeople. No, you can be just if you're at all involved in a business that has any connection with a customer, regardless of what you do, you can cut hair, you can work at a grocery store, you could be a personal trainer, uh, you can be you know, somebody in a large company who, you know, B2B, it doesn't matter whether B2B or B2C. This is a book that will really emphasize that it's about experience over anything. And uh, I believe at the end of the day, and this is my personal feeling, and I'll push it here in the show, that I think experience trumps virtually everything else. All things being equal, most people sell a product that somebody else sells or somebody sells something very similar. And what's going to separate you from the competition is the experience, not the actual product itself. David, I'm going to let you take over from here. <laughs> oh, no, I, I love it. Look, I, I do believe that these days everyone's in sales. And in fact, you know, according to the, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, about, you know, 12 percent, 11 percent of all Americans are in some kind of actual bona fide sales role. But what's interesting, I'm, I'm kind of borrowing some data from Dan Pink's book, To Sell as Human, which I'm a big fan of. And he says, you know, if I were to ask you in your job, do you spend a, a certain percentage of your time, large percentage of your time moving people from one position to the next? You know, sometimes that in your job, it's up to 80% of what you do. So I do believe that we're all in sales. And to your point, you know, I actually call this when I, when I, I train my clients, I call this the messaging supply chain. If I were to ask you about your company or what you do, it's great that you tell me as kind of the, let's say the customer facing salesperson. But when I speak to someone in customer success or support or marketing, do they say the same thing as you do, right? We are all in sales. And so the, the kind of that unified experience that everyone- Alignment. It's alignment. Are we all in alignment? Well, like you, we talked about Disney and how Disney, you know, it's part of their culture, right? You know, everyone knows that the experience is the product. And if you walk into like a Disney store, never mind the parks, you know, everything is about that experience. So I do believe that we are all in sales and we all have a role to play in terms of creating that amazing experience for our customers. Yep. Amen to that. All right. I want to go back to that one day when you recognized the people were calling you and you didn't like the way you were being sold. And you thought to myself, oh my, are we doing the same thing here? And it sounds like that was an epiphany, if you will. 
And uh, that's where we were back to talking about, you know, um, and now I'm trying to read my own writing. I have the word empathy written down. Uh, how do people, oh, how do people actually buy the pathways? So I, I want to get back into that because I think that's a big part of this experience. And, you know, while it does tie to sales, I think it's all part of the approach of, uh, I used to say sales isn't so much sales techniques. It's the best ability to present in a way that the customer loves what it is that you're about. Absolutely. And it's funny, I, I often tell the story, you know, most of us, I love what you said about most of us sell, you know, quote unquote commodities. And it's not that what we do, like I might train salespeople and you're all about customer experience. There's other people that might do what we do. And we think that we're, you know, delicate individual snowflakes that, you know, we provide something that's very, very unique <laughs> but to our customers oftentimes. And, you know, in every business is like this, but as to our customers, we all just kind of sound the same. You know, because we spend a lot of time thinking about us and they spend a lot of time thinking about them. And so the question is, how do we rise? I, in my book, I call this the sea of sameness. Like, how do we rise above the sea of sameness? And if you think about even commodity products, like you want to buy an iPad. So you could go to the Apple store, you could go to your big box electronic shop. And I ask you, like, where do you want to go? Right? Like, most people say, well, I want to go to the Apple store. And I say, why? And they kind of sit there and scratch their head and they say, I don't know. It's cool. I like the people there. They seem to know, like, and there's experience, just, experience, experience, experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and imagine now, so you've now bought your, your, your product, the Apple store. It's funny. I, I bought a, um, an Apple computer for my business about a year ago and I needed to configure it with more memory and whatever it was. So it was such that I couldn't actually just walk into the store and get one of their pre-configured systems. And so I order it and it shows up to my house in a nondescript brown box. And I was thinking, this sucks. I kind of like going, I like going in the store and coming out with like the, the Apple product, right? Like I miss that experience. And so, you know, whether you're an airline or you're a bank or you're a restaurant, you know, it's not about the food. It's not about, you know, uh, you know, the getting from A to B. It's about the experience I have along the way. It's why people spend, you know, money to upgrade to business class, even though they might not be able to afford it. They want that experience, even if it's just for a few hours. So the question is, you know, as a, as a, as a quote unquote seller or selling organization, how do I create that experience for my customers? And what are, what are some of the things that I can do that will detract from that experience? Because that's part of the problem I talk about in the book is that a lot of sales and marketing people, they don't think about the things that they're doing that are actually detracting from that experience that maybe they've been taught to do over the years. So I, I want to ask you about detracting experiences. But first, I want to know when you open the brown box, what was inside the brown box? Did you start to get excited by the way the computer was packaged? I, I did. So inside the brown box is the white <laughs> Apple box there it that we're, is. That there we're it all is. using. I'm like, all right, great. <laughs> so now in the secrecy of my office, I'm opening up this box. But even, you know, it's funny, like when you boot up your computer for the first time, you boot up your iPad for the first time and it says like, hello, welcome, bienvenue. And it has all these like, it's like, oh, this is lovely. In fact, when I got into, you know, Mac computers years ago, and now I've been a convert for many years, I kind of described it almost as like, it's the BMW driving experience of computers. You know, it's just, it's frictionless. It's like everything is where it's supposed to be. I can, it's not about getting done what you need to get done because any computer can do that. It's just about this nondescript feeling you it's get. Like how it got you there. Yeah. Well, you know, and even things like, for example, if you were to open up your phone, okay, and look at the apps on their phone that you use the word love to describe, you know, some of the, the apps are, okay, they're, you know, it's the weather app, who cares, right? But like certain apps use the word love to describe. And oftentimes you love them 
because of the way they've been designed and the way they work. Like, this is amazing, right? So it doesn't have to be, you know, and, if, and I would even argue if you go into those companies, the companies that produce that amazing app, those companies probably have an amazing culture yep. and people and experience there that create those experiences with, through the app. So it's, a, it's something that's pervasive no matter what role you play in the company. Right, no doubt if you look at the stats of the best companies uh, customers enjoy doing business with, and you go and you look on glassdoor.com and look for the best companies to work for, there's an incredible crossover between the two. And uh, that's, you know, I always preach what's happening on the inside of a company is felt on the outside. All right. We don't have that much time left, but I want to talk about detractors before I ask you my final question. You mentioned there's certain um, issues that are presented that detract from the buying experience and you were starting to identify them. Can you share what some of those are? What should we not be doing? Sure. Well, so if I were to give you like a specific sales example, one of the tactics that salespeople, for example, have been taught over the years, these are what sometimes people refer to as closing tactics. So let's say, you know, we're in a sales conversation and I say, Shep, you know, um, is there any reason why you don't think you'd be able to move forward today? Right. And I'm kind of trying to put the put the clothes on you. Like, do you yeah, I, and you know, we can feel that. Can you feel you that? Can, oh, here it comes. I'm being squeezed. We can feel it. And it's funny, like I a lot of the the stories I tell in the book, I mean, certainly there's a lot of sales stories from the front lines, but there's a lot of, you know, I have stories from my personal trainer and I have stories from Disney World. And you know, all of these stories that you don't think of as a as a father, when my kids come to me and they're about to hit me up for something, you know, like and if you're listening out there, you have kids and your kids are about to hit you up for something. I want to download an app. I want to lift to the mall. I want to, you know, the uh, cookie before I go to bed. I can tell as soon as, right by the way they approach me, right? Just by the way they, I'm like, they sidle up. They kind of seem a little timid. They're like, dad, I'm like, the answer is no, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And so people, people are very perceptive. And so, and, and, but this is the thing, you know, you will identify with being slightly put off by a salesperson that says, oh, is there any reason why, you know, you, you couldn't buy today? Or, you know, hey, you know, hey, Chef, I'm David from Cerebral Selling. Um, do you have 15 minutes to chat this week? I think I could help you with A, B, and C. And you're thinking to yourself, no. Or even when you go into like a store and you're, you're looking through some merchandise and a salesperson comes from across the room and says, excuse me, sir, can I help you find anything? What do you say? I'm just looking. I'm just looking. Like you're basically saying, don't bother me, right? And so this is actually a scientific principle known as reactance. It's people's desire to push back when they feel that their freedom to choose is being restricted. And it can be anything from, hey, can I help you find this? You know, is there any reason why you wouldn't you know, want to close the, deal today, uh, close the deal today? Or even a sign that says, don't walk on the grass. You're like, oh, this must be some pretty awesome grass if they're telling me not to walk. I would just, I've never wanted to walk on more grass in my life. And so these are things that are scientifically proven, right, to, to actually detract from the sale. And yet it's something that salespeople have been taught to do over the years to try to kind of, you know, box and squeeze their customers. And nowadays, when there's like a million products that do similar things, services that do similar things, and customers have infinite choice, right, they will choose based on experience more than like the intrinsic properties of the product itself. All right. So I'm going to ask, I always close the, the show with the one thing question and we're out of time, but I've got to ask this anyway. How should I approach you if I'm trying to sell you and I don't want to say, hey, I've got something that might be able to help you. Do you have 15 minutes where we can talk? What's my opening line? Help me here. Oh my, so here's my, I actually wrote an article about this. So if you check out my website, because I was- Which, I've been By the way, it's the website. So the website is called cerebralselling.com. So that's my business, cerebralselling.com. Mm -hmm. And you can go there to find information about the book and uh, 
the book is called Sell the Way You Buy. But so I wrote an article on my, on my website and it was entitled, Do Your Homework. Here's three scientifically proven reasons why it pays to do your research before you reach out. And so I'm the subject, even now, of tons of prospecting outreach of people who clearly have no idea what I do. Yeah. And that's, the, do you get that? Oh, it drives me crazy. And then they say, did you get my last email? And I go, did you see who I am, what I do? I don't do anything related to what you're selling. Leave me alone. You know? It's, I, you, I, I could go on forever about this. But so, so do your homework, because if you reach out to someone with something that's relevant, that shows me that you actually put in some effort. Hey, David, I saw your recent article where you talked about doing your homework. And I realized that, you know, I wasn't doing A, B, and C. And so, hey, I just was hoping, you know, that you might want to look at my product because you mentioned this and I think I can help you that way. Like, that's the easiest way to Find get the time. to engage. Find, Find the, the connection. Time. Yep. And there's reciprocity, right? And in fact, you mentioned the, the state of sales report. The number one thing that salespeople say has an extreme or substantial impact on their ability to close customers is listening. Because, and one of the reasons why listening, because listening creates that amazing experience. When I hear, when you've been listening to me, either in person or virtually, and you come back having done your homework, it makes me feel, okay, you put in the effort and there's a reciprocity element where like, okay, now I feel like I need to engage with you. Even if I want to say no at the end of the day, I feel slightly indebted. And again, this is a psychological principle. So that's the easiest way. Do your homework. Great one. All right. We're going to wrap up with the one thing question. And that is the one thing that you absolutely want this audience to remember. And you may have just given us that nugget, but it could be something you can emphasize if you've already talked about it, or it could be something, you know what? I've been holding back. <laughs> Maybe not on purpose, but think about, oh, I should have said that. This is your chance. You know what? Sell the way you buy. That's the thing I would leave you with is, is, is sell to your customers in an empathetic way that, that they, they believe and feel because, you know, at the end of the experience is a discretionary feeling. That's why, you know, I always tell sellers, stop selling ROI, stop selling value. Value is a feeling, sell the feeling, sell the way you buy, sell the way that you would want to be sold to use the tactics that would work on you and really try to deeply understand how it is you actually buy things to align your sales motion. But I, I think sell the way you buy the experiences, the product, the stuff you do, Shep, I mean, is amazing. And it's, is very consistent with, with my messages. Sell well, the way you buy. well, thank you, David. And again, the book is called sell the way you buy a modern approach to sales that actually works even on you. And if you want to learn more about David, go to cerebral selling. And by the way, cerebral, if you can't spell it, because I would have had a hard time spelling it, is C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L, selling. I know you can spell the word selling.com, cerebralselling.com. David, thank you for being on the show. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. It's an amazing book, and you were an amazing guest. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Shep. This was amazing. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode, another great interview, and we will be back next week with another amazing interview. So please tune back in for the next one. And until then, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>